Welcome to PICGO Happenings. I'm your host, Diana McFarland. I'm here to give you a front row view of county government. So I'm here today with Stephen Bartz, who is the extension agent and unit coordinator for the Pennsylvania County Extension Agency. Stephen, thanks for being here. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate you having us. So to start, I guess, if you want to first tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of, you know, how you got started here, and then also along with that, what is the Pennsylvania County Extension Agency? What do you guys do? How do you how do you service agriculture in our community? Okay, so uh, I'm a native of Pennsylvania County. I was born and raised in the southeastern corner of the county. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the fifth generation uh, in my family to be involved in agricultural production in in one form or another. So uh, it just made sense that, that I got involved in, in agriculture and, and uh, took part in it from a very young age. Mm-hmm. When I was in uh, an undergrad at, at Virginia Tech, I was fortunate enough to work in um at, at the research farm, along with some of the agricultural research uh, extension centers, or AREC's we call them, mm-hmm. throughout the state, and had the opportunity to see how the information is generated and compiled and then disseminated to farmers and, and how those farmers were using that information to better, better their crop production mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, be a, a better manager. And um, when I was afforded the opportunity to come back to uh, Southside, Virginia, um, you know, it, it felt like a, a good move to uh, have a career in, in helping farmers, you know, better their agricultural production. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just all made sense. So I was fortunate and actually july the 10th of this year i'll, I'll have been here 15 years so, okay um it, it's been uh, very rewarding to mm-hmm. uh, to be part of it um the agricultural extension service or uh we're actually virginia cooperative extension now we were rebranded a number of years ago mm-hmm. um we uh, have been around since 1914 uh, it started in um with the corn clubs where uh agricultural extension agents at the time were uh teaching young men um, better production practices with their corn and taking advantage of new uh, technology uh, in the early 1900s. And as an agency, we are very dynamic and and very broad and all-encompassing on the programmatic work that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, We have three program areas that we focus on. So that's agriculture and natural resources, which is my main program area. Uh, We also are the, uh, the parent agency of the 4-H and youth development mm-hmm. um, side of, of programs. And then we have uh, what we term FCS, Family and Consumer Sciences. So mm-hmm. um, on the 4-H and youth development side, uh, our flagship program there is is uh, summer camp. They also do day camps and mm-hmm. a number of other activities. They uh, focus on life skill um, educational programs. You know, she does some programs on public speaking and some contests on public speaking mm-hmm. and actually had a program last year called the Sova Wrap, which was a workforce readiness program mm-hmm. where she brought youth in and taught them uh, how to interview and how to how to make a, uh, a resume and, and even as simple as have a handshake, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you were uh, interviewing with folks. And so on the, the family and consumer sciences side, uh, that's all about food safety and, and uh, food preparation. 
Mm-hmm. So our FCS agent, we share them with with Franklin County, Carol Haynes. Um, she does work on canning classes, mm-hmm. uh, things like the Serve Safe program uh, that uh, restaurants and food establishments have to have to go through for uh, food handling safety procedures and, right. and so on and so forth. Um, and then on the agriculture and natural resources side, you know, we uh, are the local link to all the diagnostic services that are provided by Virginia Tech. So if you are in need of soil sampling or insect or weed ID and remediation um, needs, you know, that's certainly something we can do. Um, so we, not only do we service the the, uh, the farming community, but we also service homeowners as well. So if you have issues in, in your yard with, you know, uh, weed identification or, or in your garden with a pest that you're unfamiliar with, mm-hmm. um, that's certainly something we can provide for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do pesticide safety education. We're the uh, the training arm of, of that in the state of Virginia. Okay. So um, farmers and, and commercial applicators like your lawn and turf grass folks, um, those are the folks that, that come to us annually for recertification credits, continuing mm-hmm. ed on, on pesticide safety and, and application technology. Um, and, you know, we, we are, are kind of a, a jack of all trades. You know, certainly we, we may not have the answer for you, but mm-hmm. we know someone that does because right. we have a network across the state. There are agents like me that specialize in, in various things. Um, so we may not be uh, the utmost authority on the subject, but mm-hmm. we can probably point you in the direction of the person that is. Right. Um, no, and I remember when I was with the register and B, I would I would call all the time. And if any time I had a question about anything related to agriculture, call Stephen Bartz. So. Yeah, and we try to uh, to keep our pulse on on the uh, I mean keep our finger on the pulse of the the industry within not just in our county but you know state and national issues mm-hmm. that that uh, farmers face every day. Right, and I know I mean obviously Pennsylvania County very very rural I would say was largely built on. <laughs> agriculture that was absolutely and still is you know Mm -hmm. so agriculture um in in excess of 70 million dollar industry just Mm -hmm. in pennsylvania county uh on an annual basis uh Mm -hmm. between you know our our crop production and and uh the animal uh units that are here as well so Mm -hmm. uh it's still a a large part of our our Mm -hmm. local economy i I mean obviously you know as as you said agriculture is still a very large industry here but i know it's not it is not the the giant that it once was as far as the the impact that it has and even the the number of acres and crops and things no like doubt. that. Uh, so talk to me about that kind of how that has I don't want to say declined, but how that's become. And, and that's not a unique uh, set of circumstances mm-hmm. for Pennsylvania County. You know, it, it is a state issue and a national issue. Um, and, and there's no denying that the number of farms and the number of farmers are decreasing on an annual basis. Right. Uh, certainly because uh, a large number of the farming population are are at or very close to retirement age, and mm-hmm. there's not necessarily, um, you know, a, a succession plan for those folks. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's a, that's an issue that we're faced with as an industry on a national level is how do we generate, um, you know, greater interest in young people to return to the farm. And and the simple answer is that, you know, it's it's got to be a, a profitable operation, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's where... Um, 
young folks have difficulty stepping back in because it, it's not a steady paycheck and there are good and bad years. And I'm probably running in the high 40,000 to 50,000 cattle in the county. So we're, mm-hmm. we're getting close to having as many cows as we have people again. And, <laughs> and um, you know, it's, it's still a, a large industry. And a lot of folks are, um, you know, part-time farmers, mm-hmm. you know, they, they may have 25 or 30 cows and, and uh, we applaud those folks for keeping land and agricultural production and, mm-hmm. and uh, remaining remaining part of part of the industry. Right. No. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, I mean, you, you've been talking about cattle, and I know that's that is a big one here. And I know uh, on, on a different. Obviously, it's it, it's a lot different because it's a crop, but tobacco has been the the crop for right. Pennsylvania County for the longest time. Um, but I know that's more and more. It's seeming like there's less and less money to be made there. So talk to me about no that. No doubt. And so, you know, tobacco, uh, we are still, Pennsylvania County is still the largest tobacco producing county in the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, we, Virginia is the second largest tobacco, well, fluke-cured tobacco producing state next to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But um, So there is still in excess of, of uh, $20 million annually, or give or take, uh, depending on the year of production value in Pennsylvania County. Okay. Um, and to give a little backstory, until 2004, the USDA uh, had a price support system in place that involved um, supply manipulation. Mm-hmm. So the USDA would um, um, make determinations in, in the late winter on how much tobacco any individual grower could grow. And that way they kept the price up by keeping the supply regulated. Right. Uh, the buyout, uh, you'll hear people refer to it as the buyout in 2004, eliminated that program. Mm-hmm. And tobacco growers went to a direct contracting system where um, the the domestic manufacturers or whole leaf dealers contract directly with a farmer for X number of pounds right. at, at X price. Um we and agriculture in general is very cyclic in nature. You know there are ebbs and flows and ups and downs in mm-hmm. in, in the system. No matter what crop you're talking about, right. um, we saw a, a decline in tobacco production that was relatively significant after 2004, uh, and we made some gains after that. So um, until 2018, we were relatively level mm-hmm. um, in in the number of acres that were being planted and, and produced. Um, we saw a pretty sharp dip of tobacco production in 2019, um, and a lot of that has to do with some, some foreign policy uh, that caused some of the international customers to source their tobacco elsewhere in, mm-hmm. in the world. Um, and though we have seen some of that um, uh, renewed interest in American-grown tobacco come back in the 21 season, we don't have final acres numbers for what was planted this year, but we're expecting to see a rise in planted acres from 20 to 21. Right. Um, but, you know, in, in, and certainly um, w- no one could dispute the fact that that consumption is going down. And, mm-hmm. and so it's only um, only proper that that production goes down. So, right. uh, and the other side of that is, and this is not just with tobacco, it's with every crop. Um, there are... Uh, shrinking margins, you know, in the mm-hmm. agricultural industry. Uh, it's it's becoming uh, much more dif- difficult to um, make it especially on small acreage. Right. So um, what you're seeing is a trend where there are less farmers, but they are farming a greater number of acres mm-hmm. in order to take advantage of some of those uh, uh, scalable um 
expenses, you know, that they right. can scale up mm-hmm. based on their production. So uh, we're seeing fewer folks, but they're they're farming bigger acres. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I know, you know, one of the over the last couple of years, one of the biggest, I guess, uh, stories in agriculture in, in Virginia has been the the legalization of industrial hemp and and sort of people figuring out how to get into that market and how any of that right. works. And um, I, I remember, you know, covering that the, the first year of that when I was with the paper, and I know we're, we're entering into the third year now. So talk to me about industrial hemp in Pennsylvania County and, and what we've seen so far with that. So I think that uh, on, on the hemp side of things, uh, we have proven through our research, not only in the county, but in Southside and, and some of our other facilities around the state, that we can grow hemp um, at, at, at a reasonable yield. The issue with hemp is, um, is a market issue wholly, and, and um, those uh, the downstream markets, so the, the final processor slash um, consumer manufacturing side of things mm-hmm. is not well developed. Right. So um, though a farmer can produce it, and produce it at scale and can do that very quickly if you don't have um, the final delivery to consumer piece of the puzzle figured out mm-hmm. uh, you have a lot of product that's just in limbo and that's certainly what we ended up with um, through 19 and, and 20 so 19 there was kind of a big push and a big flush a right. lot of acres planted um, a lot of that hemp did not get utilized in the fall of 2019 so we saw a reduction in acres for the 2020 season mm-hmm. um, in 2020 we kind of had the same issue um, I, I think production outpaced the market and did it much faster than anybody predicted it mm-hmm. would. And so we've seen a further reduction in acres to, to from 20 to 21. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think that there is certainly potential there and our growers are ready to meet the demand right. when uh, the demand is solid and, and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we can certainly you know, meet that goal and, and, um, supply those folks, Mm -hmm. but they've got to get those, those final blocks put together on, on the, the consumer side to get delivery to the folks that, that want it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I mean, I, I remember talking to farmers about it and how they're, there was a lot of a lot of risk. There was obviously a lot of potential for profit and I think more so than tobacco even, but at the same time, if you're not sure that you're going to make that money. Yeah. And that's the conversation that we had with growers uh, in the 2019 season. This was certainly a big risk, big reward set of circumstances. Um, you know, it, it, the the issue with hemp uh, from a production standpoint is that its cost per acre far exceeds anything else we grow mm-hmm. uh, in three to four times what an acre of tobacco costs oh, wow. to mm-hmm. produce. Um, so, you know, we're putting out a, a huge amount of money up front in, in April and not expecting any of that back until October or November. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when we have a situation like we did in 2019, where we, we growers put that money out there uh, in the spring and put out huge, huge amounts of money to grow a crop, and then it was uh, not of of the desired quality, or uh, there was just a, a glut of that particular. Um, um, quality of hemp that was in the market already and mm-hmm. they couldn't sell it 
you know, they were, were in a, a, a pretty bad way. So, right. um, and, and a lot of them, you know, quickly recognized what was going on with, with the amount of, of hemp that was getting sent, um, being returned to the grower. And mm-hmm. so that's why they made their adjustments in 2020. And, you know, we, we have seen this in some other crops where, um, you know, there, there's a big influx of, of perceived demand. And so production ramps up only to realize that that demand may or may not have been exactly what, um, you know, we thought it was. Right. And, and um, so, you know, it, it's uh, certainly something we're keeping our eye on and we're here to, to support the folks if they decide that they want uh, to, to get into growing hemp. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot of resources, a lot of lessons learned over the last couple of years, um, agronomically speaking, that we can share with them on fertilization and plant selection and so on and so forth. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And so we've talked about, you know, you, you mentioned cattle, the number of cattle is going up. Tobacco, after after dropping the last couple of years, seemed, we're expecting a, a little bounce back at little least. Bounce, and then, yep. you know, talk about hemp. Tell me about, you know, some of the other, I guess, prominent, whether it be crops or, or livestock that we have in Pennsylvania County and what sort of trends we're, we're seeing with those. So, uh, you know, row crop wise, we're, we're growing corn, soybeans and wheat. You know, we uh, produce about 10,000 acres of corn in, in the county annually. Uh, we have th- several large uh, dairy operations in the county. Mm-hmm. So most of the corn production goes to silage to feed the dairy animals. Right. Um, so we're, we're about 10,000 and that stays relatively uh, level. So, mm-hmm. you know, the last say five years or so um, soybean production has seen uh, really sharp rises and really sharp declines based on on markets um, you know the the grain markets have been on a wild ride really since about 2012 2013 or so mm-hmm. um, we've seen huge influx in in price that are dictated by demand and, and supply issues um, we're going to see another increase in, in my mind uh, for the 2021 season because grain prices have rebounded from from some of their lows uh kind of covid induced lows of 2020 mm-hmm. um but i don't think it's going to be a drastic increase uh and the same with with wheat production as well so um you know those three uh grain crops are what we're we're seeing a lot of and and then obviously our our largest crop that we plant on the most acres uh is is forages whether that's in in the form of hay or or alfalfa or, or pasture mm-hmm. um you know having 50,000 animals takes takes a, a number of acres of grass right. to feed uh, 50,000 head of cattle. So um, we we are seeing um, some trends where folks are, are going toward um, the direct market uh, of, of animal products. Mm-hmm. Um, so COVID kind of accelerated that process where um, if you remember for a while there, you know, grocery stores were, were bare and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, folks are looking to to uh, uh, secure their their meat products on a more local level. So um, we're seeing some folks that that are, are working to get their own labels for for their meat products, and and uh, they're being processed through USDA certified facilities in mm-hmm. the area, and and uh, selling meat by the cut. So uh, that's an interesting dynamic that mm-hmm. that you know we didn't really see. Um, prior to COVID. Right. Um, it, well, I, I take that back. We saw it. It just was not at, at the volume that it is is now. So, mm-hmm. um, And that's, you know, a, a super thing for the folks that, yeah. um, you know, are willing to, to take advantage of it and do the, do the work and marketing side mm-hmm. of it um, to get their name out there. So, right. No, that's really um, cool. You know, and, and we're seeing... Um, 
we've got a couple of, of um, direct-to-consumer um, vegetable producers in the county, and we've got a couple of vegetable producers that are growing for wholesale operations or um, that have signed contracts with um, institutions, um, you know, colleges and, mm-hmm. and school systems where they're providing locally sourced fresh uh, uh, vegetable products to right. those institutions. So That's cool. um, it's it's an interesting um, field to see the different marketing approaches of, mm-hmm. of different farmers and and um, and how they uh, work through those challenges and and you know come out better on the other side. Right. No. That's yeah. That's cool. The different. Well, you're talking about that there's different levels of it that, you know, some would be just going directly to a wholesaler. Some would end up yep. going in and, and marketing it. And, and, and some of them are themselves. doing both or, mm-hmm. or all three. You know, we, you've got vegetable producers that are, are selling large volume to a wholesaler. They're selling uh, a roadside stand type of thing that they operate, you mm-hmm. know, close to their farm. And then they're traveling to the farmer's market in Greensboro or Raleigh, you know, on, on Saturdays and selling to the consumers there. Mm-hmm. So, um, they're, they're not confining themselves to one singular marketing approach. They're right. doing a number of different things. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. Um, and I'm just curious, I don't know how much data you would have on this at this point. I think this is a very, very new trend, but, um, I know we've heard a lot about solar, development here in Pennsylvania County and and the good that that can be for agriculture producers to offset some costs. But then also, I think there's been a lot of people that have, that don't like the idea just because of the visuals. They don't, they'd rather see, you know, beautiful agricultural land than a bunch of solar panels. Is there any... I mean, what have you seen? Is, is yeah, there any... uh, so you know the the uh, solar panel installations, you know, from an agricultural production standpoint, the you know that uh, particular plot of land, or, mm-hmm. or or you know however you want to put it, those acres are out of production for right. uh, whatever the the length of the solar panel contract is, and mm-hmm. and possibly longer if they you know keep renewing. So, I mean, certainly um, we don't like to see. Uh, land taken out of agricultural production. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you know, it's uh, from the farmer standpoint, they may be in a position where, um, you know, it's a better revenue stream for them Mm -hmm. to have the solar panels than it is to, to, uh, you know, have agricultural production taking place, whether it's them farming or leasing the land. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, each one of them has to make their own individual decision based on their own circumstances. Mm -hmm. No, and I know a lot of those, um, a lot of those facilities haven't been developed yet. They've been approved locally for the permits, right. but they, it's not like they're yep. live and active and actually have the solar panels there. So um, I'm sure that'll be a trend to continue watching over over the next several years because you're absolutely right. There is a lot of a lot of solar development. Coming, no doubt. So, um, no doubt. Well, Stephen, I, I really appreciate you being here today. Is there anything Glad else you'd want to add, or think it's important people people no, know I about mean, the extension agency? You know, uh, extensions open for business, and and so if you've got issues, uh, you know, in your in your garden, in your yard, or on your farm, uh, let mm-hmm. us know. Or, or if if uh, you got kids running around the house that that need an activity, <laughs> uh, call the folks at the 4-H side. And if mm-hmm. you're preparing for canning season, uh, give Carol a call, and we'll we'll help you on that front as well. Mm-hmm. No, we appreciate the good work you guys do for. For not just the farmers of Pennsylvania County, but the citizens as a whole. So, Thanks. We appreciate it. Uh-huh. Sure thing. Thank you for listening to Pitco Happenings. I hope you learned something informative. If you have a question or want to make a comment, give me a call or send a text to 434-489-8739.